Hey, everybody. You already know what it is. I got to thank everybody that's left a rating or review on iTunes. So far, I think we're up to like 72, 73. So I just want to thank you guys. You guys are the best. We're still on the road to 100 ratings and reviews. So thank you guys. Let's keep it going. And let's try to get to 100 before we get to episode 20. That's ambitious, but I think we can do it. Definitely we can do it before 25. But again, I can't stress enough my appreciation for you guys. So let's get done with the show. Welcome to another episode. I am V and this is the Sussex Set. In this episode, the charity spotlight I want to highlight is Roots and Shoots. You might have been hearing a lot about that this week with Dr. Jane Goodall. Recently, Harry and Dr. Jane met students of this organization in London. That was on Tuesday, July 23rd. We saw a very cute greeting of Harry. It was probably like my favorite thing from that whole day is Harry running up to hug Jane Goodall <laughs> like he hadn't met her before. But um, Harry really has an affection for you. Like you can tell he's a, you know, an affectionate guy anyway, but you can tell he has a, a true affection for her and has admired her for a very long time. So Jane was also invited to Frogmore Cottage this past June. That was really interesting to find out. I was really glad to find out that she had actually been there. And uh, Megan even told Jane herself that Dr. Jane has been one of her inspirations throughout life. And Megan first met Dr. Jane last December. So it just basically confirms that they both really love and respect Dr. Jane Goodall. And really, who doesn't? So Dr. Jane's organization, Roots and Shoots, it's one of her organizations, but it's, this one is tailored for young people. Uh, it is a youth service program, and it was founded in 1991 by Dr. Jane Goodall. So the mission of Roots and Shoots is to foster respect and compassion for all living things, to promote understanding of all cultures and beliefs, and to inspire people to take actions that helps make the world better for people, animals, and the environment. The vision of Roots and Shoots is to empower young people to become the types of leaders that would make choices that builds a better world. So a little background about Dr. Jane. Many of us know her through her work with wild chimpanzees. When she first started her work at the age of 26, she had little more than a notebook, binoculars, and a fascination of wildlife. At 26, I guess people at that back in the day in the 1960s considered that too young for a woman to travel on her own. So her mother went with her and they ventured out into Tanzania. So they essentially hiked to where the chimpanzees were and they studied them. That's pretty much it. There was no guideline. There was just a keen interest to understand this particular type of wildlife. So she uncovered so much information about their behaviors, their relationships, chimpanzees. And in 1977, Dr. Jane founded the Jane Goodall Institute, which we know and love today. Actually, this month, you may remember the Sussex Royal Instagram is doing an environmental focus, and she's one of the accounts that they followed. Today, Dr. Jane continues to travel more than 300 days in a year. That's a lot. She doesn't even know what the brake pedal is, girl. So that's very impressive for anybody of any age. But she does that much traveling to help individuals understand that they can make a difference in their communities. That is a powerful thing because what's driven her her whole life 
is this idea of making the world a better place by making communities better, making the environments better. You know, depending on where a community is, there's a completely different ecosystem around you if you're a human being living in, say, Tanzania versus the Bronx. So it's important for her, and it should be for all of us, to help continually educate and empower communities around ideas such as the environment and wildlife. It makes sense that a young Megan looked up to her and still does. And it's amazing that Dr. Jane is still doing everything she was doing when Megan first learned who she was. So to me, that's vision, that's passion and urgency. And again, the importance of focusing on young people is that they take those ideas with them into the future, but you get them, you plant that emotional seed while they are young, while they're young enough and are open to emotion. And that carries them forward where they believe that they can actually make a difference because in truth, they can and we all can. It's just that somehow when we grow up, we tend to stop believing that we can. And so that's the importance of aiming your message toward young people, especially young people who find themselves in these communities. Of course, you can make a contribution as well. You can go to the Jane Goodall Institute. There is a separate website for Roots and Shoots. But if you want to make a contribution to the overall organization, please go to janegoodall.org or to get involved specifically with Roots and Shoots, go to rootsandshoots.org. You can get involved with one of their campaigns. They have like 16 of them and they even have resources for teachers. So again, go to rootsandshoots.org to learn more. So let's get into a few things. It's been really nice, I got to say, to see Harry working so hard. I know he's generally a hard worker and he has been, which that in and of itself is very admirable. Because the boy doesn't have to be. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, none of them do. But, um, well, actually, maybe they do. Maybe they have to, again, as a family, continue to show their worth and why they're relevant. But not really. Not really. So Harry has really been working. I guess he's not taking a maternity, a paternity leave at all, which it is what it is. And even Megan has been working. We don't have the quote-unquote receipts for that, but we know that she has. We know she has some things coming up. We know they have a whole tour to plan for. And so I think that's really honorable. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks, but life shouldn't be one big break. But um, yeah, I'll come back to that just super briefly. But as I was thinking about everything and just assessing how things have gone on Megan's maternity leave and I'm sure things have gone well for her in general outside of the press, right, the tabloid press. But I just began to think about just the various smear campaigns. And then I just said to myself, which I guess I know the answer, but do they, the press, the hooligans, that's what I call them, girly thugs, but do they value subservience over self-assurance? And of course, we know the answer to that, but I just want to go into why. Those two words just really stuck out for me over the weekend. And so let's talk about it. Megan, despite whatever the press wants to read into what she said to Pharrell Williams at the Lion King premiere, Megan doesn't pay the British press dust. Like she really doesn't. She doesn't because she doesn't change what she does according to what they write. Right. And she doesn't pay them any attention to the extent that they want her to. 
But the royal reporters are used to royals. And not just Kate now. So I'm not throwing shade at her. But they're used to royals in general through the ages adapting to what they write in these papers. And and nowadays, you know, it's on the blogs and on the websites and on social media. They're used to royals wanting the press to tell good stories about them. But in Harry and Meghan's case, they don't care one way or the other. Like, I hope that's becoming increasingly clear to everybody because they really just don't care. To say that they notice it is not the same as saying that they care. So that's a distinction that I think the the press is refusing to make. But just because they notice it doesn't mean that they're losing sleep. And another reason why I don't think Harry and Meghan care all that much is because they're going to be smeared one way or the other, especially Meghan. Like, we're kind of nice when we say Harry and Meghan are being bullied by the press. To an extent, Harry's being bullied, you know, on his own. He's definitely being bullied, feeling bullied by extension, by seeing his wife bullied all the time. It's kind of like, you know, when you were a kid and somebody bullies your little brother. Okay, well, then you might want to jump in and intervene, (laughs) you know. But they also don't care because they don't have any incentive to give the press the access that it wants or to give the press the outcomes that they're looking for from Harry and Meghan. So what happens when you have a self-assured prince and princess? Hmm? Well, besides a smear campaign coming from all angles, you get resentment. Okay, they're rich, they're beautiful, they're loved, they're smart and educated. They're loved. They're privileged beyond measure. How dare they not carry on apologetically and let the royal reporters and the tabloid press in their business when they want to be in their business? How dare you, Harry and Meghan? But now we live in an age where people have receipts and timestamps. So this is an age of the fandom where supporters can actually speak up on behalf of the people they support. This is an age of fast media. And this may also be the first time that we've seen individuals of the royal family have a fan base completely of their own. The closest to that or what we're seeing with Harry and Meghan now was Diana. But she was generally loved and she was loved very deeply by the people. But she didn't have organized supporters speaking up on her behalf the way Harry and Meghan have. So it was just a different time altogether. But because of the organization of Sussex supporters and we're supporters because of who they are, not necessarily of where they are, the British press has never felt such pushback on their fabrications. The lies they used to be able to get away with, they can't get away with it no more. They're trying. And, you know, they're maybe even adapting to the presence of the Sussex squad, but they can't get away with it. That's the point. So Harry and Meghan also have that going for them. So subservience, what is it? In short, subservience is the willingness to obey others unquestioningly. So we've seen subservience throughout the royal family over the ages, whether it's literal or figurative. Certainly there was a time when subservience had to be truly literal. (laughs) Nowadays, it's just summed up with this idea of respect. And I'm speaking of the context of the royal family. But literal subservience to the monarch is not really all that 
big of a deal in the current context. Everybody is the subject of the queen. You know, the queen, though, in 2019 is the least of anybody's problems. The authority or the faux authority that I'm referring to is a tabloid press. So, for example, how dare Harry and Meghan not do a photo call at the Lindo Wing? That's what they were saying. And if you don't do what we want you to do, then we'll threaten not to cover you at all. That's what they were saying. People who have resorted to publicly bullying the Sussexes, whether they are royal reporters or entire publications, whether they are shady, you know, people that make commentary on these television shows and segments or they have their own podcast, girl, or um, just your basic everyday troll. So in that case, media extends to social media. Kate even went through a phase where she was being bullied unfairly every day. And because the receipts are there, the Internet, this is all during the Internet age. She was bullied. And I don't think anyone would argue that. We saw how Diana was bullied both on the inside and on the outside, but particularly with relation to the press. What did some of the royals do when they're pressed by the, the media? They adapted in many cases. They adapted to the entity that said, I'm your authority because I stand between you and the people you want to love you. And so if you don't give us what we want, we'll trash your name in the press. That's simple. Like that's basically how that went or and how I guess how they think it still should go. So the current royals, though they're not submitted to nearly the same amount of bullying that the Sussexes get, they generally cooperate. And you get the sense that some major royals have become deathly afraid of bad news coverage. So they're taking on a like-me-at-all-cost posture, and it doesn't really work out in the long term. It might be a good short-term strategy, but I just don't think that's a wise decision. But the thing is, if you give them a little bit, they're going to want more. They're not going to change because, again, it boils down to their pockets, right? So, but anyway, it's a lot of people that are cooperating (laughs) in the royal family just to avoid bad press at all costs. And so I can only call that subservience. I mean, that's the only description that makes sense to me, where the press dictates the terms in exchange for favorable coverage. And if you're desperate for good coverage, you're probably going to play along. Are the Sussexes desperate for good coverage, positive coverage, flattering coverage? We know they're not. But why are they not? Well, that brings me to my next point, girl. Because they are self-assured, not just together. They strengthen each other, sure. But individually, they know who they are. So self-assurance, that's defined as confidence in one's own abilities and character. And when you have a strong character to stand on, you don't need gimmicks. And a lot of times people use the media for their gimmicks. Because they think the people who read that stuff are stupid. And they're not always stupid. It's a lot of people just looking for entertainment. But it's a lot of people who believe everything they read, too. Still, using the media for selfish reasons, for flattering coverage, is stupid. That's what's stupid to me. Because you ought to be able to get flattering coverage just by being who you are. And you know what else the Sussexes don't need? They don't need the tabloids singing their praises every time they put their shoes on the right foot. Self-assurance prevents you from relying on those things. The hooligans 
They don't like the presence of self-assurance in their royals. Have you noticed? They don't want you getting too confident, girl. If we write something about your figure, we need you to make a change. If we write something about how you said something to some person at one occasion, we need you to not do that again. Or we need you to make a big fuss out of it because that's going to drive up our revenue. Megan didn't necessarily make a big fuss out of it. I wasn't referring to her specifically, but the press, of course, they wanted to make it seem like she did. Megan is self-assured in how she operates. Therefore, that's a problem for the press. So, for example... How irritating was it for the press that Megan, during the time where she guarded the privacy of the christening, dared to go to Wimbledon like nothing was happening? Of course, nothing was happening on her end. She was just executing her game plan. But the media was throwing a major fuss and the good sis was just living her life. Or what about the fact that while everyone was calling her a diva for her Wimbledon appearance, she walked through the Lion King premiere like she was the queen? No, no disrespect to the queen, but she was the main draw. I know Beyonce was there too, but people love Megan. And she walked with her head up, honey, looking like a million bucks, way more than a million bucks actually, but that's just a phrase. She walked through that premiere like she owned everything in there. Sis had a great time and we were all happy to see that. Self-assurance allows you to do those things in the face of a well-funded industry that is working in tandem with other forces to tear you down or rather make you obedient. This is an entity that wants to beat them into submission. So I have said from the beginning, I'll continue to say it. It takes a strong character and a strong team to withstand that. And Harry and Meghan, they told us in the very first interview together that they were a team. That's one of the big pillars, if you will, of Harry's life. And it's no wonder because the boy felt so alone after his mom died. Of course, who wouldn't? But he's been looking for his teammate. And so he got his teammate. And Megan has been a, been a team player for her whole life before she was even famous. So consider the people who perpetuate the lies in tandem with the media to grow this social media disinformation campaign that we're basically witnessing and have been witnessing. And this is just through her maternity leave. Like, that still blows my mind. They bullied her through her pregnancy? Sure. Okay, we know that. We've digested that. They bullied her in the days leading up to her having birth, like giving birth for the first time in a foreign land. Okay, but we've digested that. She's on maternity leave and they won't leave her alone. But again, we know why, but it's still just mind-blowing, right? So through her whole maternity leave... There's a smear campaign going on, and we know Prince Andrew's got some things going on, too. So, but we know people don't seem to care about that, and certainly the press doesn't seem to care about that. So when she comes off of a maternity leave, expect the smear campaigns to grow like wildfire. Like, they're going to really roar because she's going to be more visible. She's going to be visible every day instead of every couple of weeks. But at the same time, Expect more and more people to disregard the tabloids as the joke they are. Again, it's like crying wolf. More and more people are going to continue to call them out. People with followers, people with platforms. Hopefully, at least, we'll see that. Because we, we're going to see the smear campaign. That's just, that's just not even... It's wishful thinking to think we're not, but we already know. But people are going to see them as the joke they are, I hope. Because people 
know and understand Megan's character. They know and understand Harry's character and they understand what's going on. Like they see what the smears are. They see where they're coming from. They see how they're crafted and distributed. And the fact that Megan has been able to endure all of that in just a little bit over a year that she's been a royal, that is the definition of strong character. But speaking of character, let's talk about Harry. It takes a very solid character to marry a self-made actress descendant from Africans. It takes, I mean, it takes you knowing who you are. The Duchess with the Black American mama with dreads. Do you know how many people would listen to people? Because you know there were people around Harry telling him, man, don't marry that girl. You know they were. Those, to me, those are just not whispers because that's how it works. That's how it works when you're privileged. That's how it works in a lot of places when you're white. That's how it works when you're rich. That how That's just how it works. That's just how it works. Not saying it's like that across the board, but it is more the rule than the exception. Okay? So... When I heard those whispers that people were telling Harry, I didn't believe all of the whispers that I heard along those lines. But when I heard that people were telling Harry, close to Harry, not to marry her, girl, we've been new. We've been new. But you know what bro did? He married her anyway. And as I've been following Harry, really just from a distance, because I haven't cared as much as I do now with Megan in the family. Yes, yeah, I'm not really a royal watcher. I'm a Sussex watcher. But up until now, I know who Harry had been dating. Generally, I knew about Chelsea and I knew about Cressida because I think she's like an actress or something. So there would be news about her over here. But he had long term relationships. Chelsea is the daughter of wealthy entrepreneurs and Cressida is descendant of actual aristocracy. Harry dated them for more time than he dated Megan before he proposed to her. But he never felt pressured to pop the question to either one of those. And as a matter of fact, he broke up with both of them and decided to be single for a few years before he met Megan. That takes a lot of character. And it takes a lot of confidence to not settle even when you're royal and you got your pick of the litter. You literally are the world's most eligible bachelor and you force yourself to be, I'm going to say single because I ain't going, I don't know whether Harry was celibate or not. That's really none of my business, but he certainly wasn't attached. He said, you know, let me focus on some other things. And it's not like people around him weren't telling him to settle down to what extent I don't know but certainly he was reaching an age where people were like okay Harry you know it's, it's kind of like that time certainly he didn't have as much pressure on him that Will might have had him being an heir having to produce an heir but I'm sure there was some kind of pressure for Harry to finally just what did they say over there get on with it especially when the women are perfectly fine of course, to the outsider, they're perfectly fine. But Harry's like, nah, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> you know, because my other half is somewhere out here in this big old world waiting for me. She's waiting to find me too. And so that's just in love. Their partnership in love. But a love match and a character match magnifies your individual character. It makes you a better person. And so... I believe that's what we're seeing now with the Sussexes and with Megan particularly refusing to bend 
because her character is shored up by her other half. In the same way, Harry's character is shored up by his other half. Megan is refusing to stay out of sight for three to six full months just because sis knows she has love at home. She don't need it in these streets. It's there, but she don't necessarily need it. Her home bursting with love. She's refusing to hide her post-baby body until her pre-baby body is back. Because, you know, I'd like to think her beauty grew in her husband's eyes, regardless of what her body looks like to him or anybody else. And she feels comfortable speaking her mind because that habit is championed by the team that supports her, starting with her husband, her life partner. There is no second guessing herself either. And honestly, that's where I begin to feel for some of the royals that you can tell they do not have that assurance from their partners at home. And I'm sure that can be a lonely place, especially if if you're in that situation, your team is not as strong as it should be. And so what what happens with that? And when you're in that royal bubble that begins to feed the need for fake love from the press for doing little to nothing with your time as a royal. But that's just to draw an example. So what made Diana so impressive and loved even back in her day then and now, though, is that despite the fact that she had every reason to self-doubt and, quote unquote, fall in line, she pushed the boundaries. She was self-assured when nobody would blame her for cowering down into the fetal position. She had a fighter spirit about her. Sometimes that's just who you're born as. And sometimes you have to craft that throughout life. So you have to adapt to become a stronger person. Adapt or die. That's why humans are still here. Within the bubble, some people have a better, they have a better chance of really doing that. If you're shy as a mouse and you just, you know, see, because people be saying I'd be throwing shade, but I have to look at, I have to look at the, the, the two standards here, the double standards and how they treat one and how they treat the other. But then I also want to be fair and look at these people who they are. Megan is a light that shines. Diana is a light that shines. But sometimes you have to be a light that you make up yourself. And so we don't necessarily see that with some of the other royals, okay? Uh, But um, I, I bring up Diana because she was fighting an uphill battle that she didn't even realize she was fighting. On those, you know, in those early years, she was fighting an uphill battle before she even met Charles. But then she met Charles, they got married, but then she saw what the tea really was, but she stayed in it. As long as she felt like she had to for her sons but she managed to carve out her own lane even though again nobody would blame her if she just wanted to tap out way earlier and just say I'm done that's the type of self-assurance I'm talking about she was loved for a reason and she didn't just do what she was told to do despite any threats or abuse that she might have endured also what Megan has going for her is her upbringing And that's her trump card, if you ask me. Harry's too. Diana wasn't here for a very long time, not in their childhood. Harry was still a boy when she died. But she raised him. And she has said it herself. She says the family is raising Will. I'm raising Harry. So in my opinion, both Harry and Meghan got the best of their moms. And so they have that going for them. Again, together, all of that is just magnified. So when I see Sussex abuse, I see resentment over their refusal to bow and resentment over their confidence 
and their increased autonomy, all the things that were poo-pooed and talked down about have now come to fruition for Meghan and Harry. At first, Meghan was just a fling. Now she's a duchess. Oop. And uh, oop. At first, she was too old to have a baby and was going to need fertility treatments. Now they're planning for baby number two, and you know they are. I told y'all, they're visionaries. They're looking years into the future. So they're planning for baby number two. Archie already here, girl. Archie came before their first year anniversary. At first, the Sussexes were going to fade into the background, into their rightful place just a few months after their wedding. Now they're the main draw, both in the royal family and on social media. And not just social media, print media too. At one time, Harry and Meghan were going to answer the will. Now they got their own foundation. At one point, they were banished to Africa. Now, the royal reporters are begging to go to Africa with them so they don't have to go to Pakistan. At first, she wasn't a princess, but now she's Beyonce's princess. (laughs) And you don't get no more princess than that. (laughs) Y'all, I love Beyonce. But for real, these other folks, they better learn a thing or two from Harry and Meghan. Otherwise, they're going to continue to be slaves to these headlines. And that's when they can actually make the news. No one should be abused unfairly, criticized unfairly, and to a large degree, Megan gives all of them cover. So I'm not saying I want the press to abuse somebody else, but I admire Megan for not bending, even though people think she should. There are people who genuinely want to beat her into submission. People are now overtly stating that she doesn't deserve her place. Now, we already knew that's what they thought, but now they're stating it. I saw uh, a screenshot of what Tina, it was either Tina or Michelle, posted where someone was in their DM saying, well, she doesn't deserve the place she has. Girl, we, we been knew that's what you thought, but now they're saying it openly. But to me, again, that is one of the things that shows me that the wires are coming loose. You know, you're not even intelligent enough to disguise your hatred. You know, you can't just throw shade. You just laying your bigotry right on out there on the table, girl. To me, that that's a sign that, Things are kind of coming a little loose for some of these folks. And I'm not necessarily saying they're crazy, but what I'm saying is they're desperately resentful. And my thing is, if these people hate Megan, then I love her even more. If they hate where Megan is, I love it even more, girl. Because who does deserve to be a royal? Nobody. Nobody. I don't care who you are or what you look like. Nobody deserves to be a royal. Nobody deserves to be anything. You are who you make yourself to be. In large part, it doesn't, and I'm not saying you are somebody just because you're famous. You're somebody just because you're rich. No. When you die and people show up at your funeral, okay, you made something out of yourself. That's kind of all you need to do in life because everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to, you know, run into hard times. If you can call somebody and somebody shows up, that's a pretty good sign. But if you're miserable miserable and moaning and everybody disappears when you need them, then you earn that too. That's what people earn in life. Nobody earns a title. Queen Elizabeth didn't earn being queen, girl. Nobody does. 
you just follow the rules. And if you don't want, I mean, I'm just following the rules that are set in terms of who gets the crown next. But she could have abdicated if she wanted to, but it fell into her lap. That's the point. So the fact that Harry and Meghan fell in love with each other and Meghan fell in love with an actual prince and stop trying to control people's lives and emotions, you know. But yeah, so if Meghan doesn't deserve it, then nobody does. They certainly don't. The haters certainly don't, but they have pictured themselves pregnant with Harry's child. Child. They didn't picture themselves going up the stairs to the chapel. They didn't picture themselves in the horse-drawn carriage ride all up and through Windsor. They didn't picture it all, and they focus in all their ire on Megan. We've been new. It's whole girls with freelance writing careers. Mad at Megan for marrying their prince. And that lets you know that if Megan was doing everything exactly as people wanted her to do, particularly the trolls and the royal reporters and the old school royal watchers who say Megan is not playing by whatever imaginary rule book they, they're picturing, they would still have a problem with Megan. And we know what that problem is. But because of all that, because they're enduring all of that and they're still coming out prosperous, to me, it feels like the Sussexes are nearing untouchable status. And it'll be a status that they have earned. Again, they earn that through how they conduct themselves and by showing how little they care about the press's take. So even with Jane Goodall, who is globally respected, she's a legend. She visited Frogmore Cottage and the press knew nothing. Woo! The maturity of it all, girl. The grown-upness of it all. They truly do take the high road. And again, I think that's just why more and more people are going to continue to admire them. And when I call them petty, because sometimes you'll see me call them petty, I mean that like in a good way. I mean their pettiness with the press, <laughs> like not giving them an inch. I love that. So they always take the high road and their work always speaks for them. Subservience doesn't allow for those things, but self-assurance does. So I just wanted to speak on that. But speaking of pettiness, I like that the Sussex Royal Post where Harry was dancing with Jane Goodall. I feel like it threw a little shade. I don't want to accuse him of that. But whoever wrote it, girl, congratulations, because that had me laughing. Particularly the part that says, because working hard and playing hard are not mutually exclusive. (laughs) And the first thing I thought of, I mean, no shade, because August is coming up. That's vacation time for all of Europe, apparently. We don't really do that over here. I wish we did. A lot of people do take breaks, but those are usually only the people who can't afford to take a break, girl. But, um, yeah, you know, the first thing I thought of was uh, the folks in Mystique. So, But that's true. Harry had a whole baby. That boy has not slowed down. So that caption was pretty, pretty funny. I'm probably seeing what I want to see with that. But the power that that has, the tea that that has. The truth that that has, the pettiness that that caption has. And again, Megan had a whole baby. Harry out here working. He out here working like it's his first engagement and the boy's just trying to prove himself. He's a king, honey. Megan is also working while she's on leave. But they also enjoy their lives. I hope. I hope. Of course, they're going to get punished for going on vacation when they decide to go on vacation But I hope they do it nonetheless. 
And I hope when they play hard, they play harder than everybody because God knows they're working harder than everybody. So in conclusion, don't be a slave to the people who don't care about you anyway. Pick confidence over desperation. Pick self-assurance over subservience. Choose classy pettiness where you can. And keep that Carter attitude about you. Jay said it best. You need me. I don't need you. That's, by the way, my favorite lyric from um, the whole Everything is Love album. I love it. I love it. That's an album by Jay-Z and Beyonce. For, for people who don't know, I keep having to remember that. Not everybody knows my cultural references, but yeah. Jay-Z says, you need me. I don't need you. I love that. And that's kind of true for the Sussexes. And that goes for everything. That goes for the royal family. And that goes for the British economy. And I'm not saying they don't enjoy some of those perks, because surely they do. But they have friends offering them private jets and villas in Italy. So, and (laughs) I'm sure that was before they got married or before they even met each other, girl. So they'll have perks regardless. And Sussex Royal, the foundation, is registered as a company. The haters can be mad at that. But again, they're going to be mad anyway. By the way, we're still getting details about Sussex Royal Foundation, but be sure to check out the previous episode because that one was my charity spotlight. And I just mainly highlighted uh, Sarah Latham and Natalie Campbell, who are acting as two of the directors for Sussex Royals. Those ladies are game changers, and I feel like Sussex Royal will be a game changer for the royal family. Probably everybody's going to benefit from it, but hopefully that'll be a game changer for Harry and Meghan and the work that they want to do. So onward and upward. Like I said, Dr. Jane visited Frogmore Cottage and she had a little cuddle with Archie, which was the like it's just to read it was the most adorable thing, Um, especially given how respected she is just in that household. But what Jane said about it when she was asked, she said, I've met the Duchess once just last month and Harry twice. She told me she followed me all her life and she told me, you've been my idol since I was a child. I've worshipped you all of my life. That's really cool. She came in at the end with Archie and I got to cuddle him. And she described Archie as cute and gentle. Oh, that's super nice. I think it's really awesome when if you're lucky enough to have those moments when somebody that you really admire and has been an inspiration to you, you get to tell them to their face. In Megan's case, she got to tell her in her living room. (laughs) Jane Goodall was in your living room, girl. So that's like Beyonce being in my living room or like Harriet Tubman being in my living room or somebody, you know. So that's that's just amazing to me. But I love that Megan's dreams are coming true because it's what she deserves. And I think about all the girls who are going to look up to her or who do currently look up to her. And they're going to get the chance to tell her that at some point. It's really cool. And I love that Megan repeatedly lives her truth. Like she said that coming into the royal family that she was a feminist and she values and it's inspired by strong women. And Jane Goodall fought her own battles within the scientific community. For decades, male peers dismissed her findings, the findings that she knew to be true. And I find it hard to believe that those same types of things would happen to a male scientist, even if the male scientist was doing the exact same thing that Dr. Jane Goodall did in her career. For Megan to have seen her as a hero in her youth and then for her to now be like holding her baby, that's just incredible. Ah, keep winning, Megan. So coming up on Thursday, 
July 25th, Harry will visit Sheffield as a focus on supporting children, supporting higher education, and rehabilitation of the wounded, injured, and sick servicemen and women. So the first of three stops at the Sheffield Children's Hospital, he'll visit one of the four new wards, as well as take a peek at the children's playroom. When he visits Sheffield Hallman University, he will meet academics and students demonstrating a virtual reality rehabilitation project. That sounds super cool. The project uses technology and it actually makes it easier for amputees to train themselves to use prosthetic limbs. I could not imagine having to learn how to walk again with a prosthetic limb. It just seems hard. It just seems super, super duper hard. But thankfully, with the technology that we have at our disposal today, that makes it easier for people to learn or relearn how to use their limbs again, but with those prostheses. And also very interesting is there are students who will be there that are currently working with the World Health Organization and the United Nations who have developed technology to give alerts and assistance to field staff working in inhospitable and dangerous parts of the world. So Harry will get to meet them too. And then the third stop in Sheffield, he is off to the Invictus UK trials. We know that's been going on since Monday. So that's Monday and it'll run all the way up to Friday. And that is actually being held at the English Institute of Sport Sheffield. So afterwards, Harry will join the swimming medal presentation ceremony before meeting the family and friends of some of the competitors. He's a busy dude. So by the time any of you hear this, Harry might have already done all of this, but that is on Thursday. And uh, hopefully he'll be doing it when you're hearing it or getting ready to, if I get this out soon enough. So speaking of listening, thank you for listening, because that's all I have for today. Remember, we are on the road to 100 ratings on iTunes and I think as I'm speaking, again, we got like 73, maybe 74. So thank you guys. We're a quarter, well, actually three quarters of the way there. We're one quarter away from the 100 rating. So thank y'all in advance for that. And a huge thank you to those who have already done that. Y'all are the real MVPs in this. So thank y'all. And definitely hit me up on the socials. I am at Sussex Squad on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're listening and chatting on YouTube. Hi, you guys. This is kind of meta, but what's up? Yeah. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe. There's going to be a lot more content coming in the future. I try to put different stuff up there, you know, varying degrees of success. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really tailor it to how I want it to be for the long term. So I'm just playing with a bunch of different ideas right now. But definitely make sure you hit the notification bell on there so you'll know when I'm posting. And make sure to follow the Sussex Rising playlist if you have the Spotify app on any of your devices. Um, A lot of you guys ask me what some of the songs are that I use in my edits. I'm a huge music junkie. I love music. I love to sing. I love, I don't really want to say I love to rap, but I I love to rap along with my favorite rappers. So kind of just a warning. The playlist is kind of rap heavy, but it's not just rap. It's probably like half and half. But that would seem like a lot if you don't like rap at all. So just kind of consider yourself advised. Um, But yeah, so a lot of people ask what music do I use and where can they find it? So um, Stand By Me gave me this great idea just to uh, make a Sussex playlist so that people can just easily access the music. And of course, on Spotify, you can just stream it. You don't need to buy it if you don't want to. 
But um, yeah, so definitely go there. I will put the link in the description. And um, that's pretty much it. Thanks, peeps. Keep shining your light no matter who tries to dim it. Sometimes even family does their best to try to dim your light. Because of who they are, we often give them the power to do it. But don't let them do it, girl. Take a cue from Megan and shine brighter. That's all for now. Until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.